on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Today, we have somebody special on the show. A friend... An amazing talent. Ooh, just a brilliant person all around. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Oh, my God. She's so much thinner in person. Okay. Amy. Sorry. Look, I, I I need to be introduced the way I need to be introduced. Okay. Well, I'll say that next time. But you got to give me a heads Kat. up. Send me a text. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I can't complain, Amy. Actually, you haven't answered my last three texts. What? Well, those because you're texting from my hotmail number. You have oh, my hotmail number. Okay, that's such a thing. To, that's such a dodge. Yeah. All right. Have the Kevin's number. not hotmail. Not hotmail. That's good. I'm gonna say that to people. Yeah, oh, you right. must have my hotmail. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the only reason. If you had my other stuff, then you would get me. But you okay. If I had mail. your real number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. When somebody's on your podcast, they have to put you on blast for not texting them back. I'm I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. How's how's family life? I mean, Jesus, you're married, you're a mom. I mean, it's all of the above now. All of right? it. I'm living that life. I am Are you a living mom that life? as hell. Yeah, are no, you I'm loving it and living I'm it. I'm loving, loving it. it. No, okay. I'm loving it. I'm I'm annoying. I'm like really like so into it. He's he's almost two, so mm -hmm. at, you know, that age is like he he talks with full confidence, but he doesn't say any. He, it sounds like he's speaking a different jack language. Jack shit. You know? He's saying jack shit, saying but he looks at shit. you as if it's as, as if it's something. It's it's it, he uh, yeah. He's pointing. He's you know, and he's not saying anything. And I he has the the confidence of a comic actually. <laughs> you know, like he's like everybody should listen to me right now. Like I have something very important to say. Delusional confidence. Like uh, what do comics. you what do you feel has changed most about you? Since marriage, my pussy, since. it's honestly just like <laughs> huge now and just garbage. It's just street trash. Um, yeah, I would say my street trash pussy is probably no, is what's changed? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, like, uh, for being a mom, like, what do you like everything? You know, I don't go out anymore. I mean, it's also the pandemic, but mm -hmm. I'd be down at the cellar every night doing stand up, and now it's like. If a friend is like, want to meet out at 8 p.m., I'm like, 8 p.m. I'm yeah. sorry. Jesus like, Christ. I mean, you know, that's, you're I mean, I'm animal. not in bed. I'm still, I stay up, you know, but. but you're an animal, 8 p.m. outside your house. God damn, living who, life. Who do you think I am? Yeah. Like, where are you going? Who, are you Batman? Who hangs yeah. out at the 8 p.m.? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not protecting Gotham over here, okay? <laughs> oh I'm God. protecting my fish sticks I made for my son. Here's what I mean when I say if things changed, or what do you think has changed most? I mean, you know, you, you you still are you're 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 a household name right oh you're you could household... say it i used to be now i'm no no you know, i'm I just mean in a by series that. of commercials um, what I, well no you for... have you do have a commercial <laughs> running right now yes i have seen the commercial you know i at one point did a commercial that you might have at one point said no to can i just tell you i was once offered a commercial i won't mm -hmm. say what the commercial is i was offered the commercial they go i said yeah sure i'll do i'll sell truly anything you know mm -hmm. <laughs> um you want me in your lawyer ad you want me in your ad talking about personal injuries you got me and they go actually we're sorry we're gonna go with kevin hart and i go kevin's not gonna say yes to this and so when you come back to me after kevin says no don't be embarrassed because i'm ready and that's exactly what happened we won't say what it is he's gonna pass hard on this and i we will won't. be right here <laughs> and don't even say sorry don't even say sorry to me just I, close yes. your mouth. Close your mouth and just know that I'm not <laughs> going know. anywhere. I'm just ready. Give me my call time. I'm I don't care. <laughs> Amy, you're so fucking great. <laughs> you're so great. Do you feel like motherhood 
you know, has it has it in any way, shape, or form, has it taken away any of the hunger uh, of of entertainment, of comedy? I mean, because you know, the one thing about being a parent is wanting to be there, and right you know, as a as a father, of course, it's different for me because you know, my wife, she's so hands on, she's so great. I have that, yeah. I have that partner that allows me the comfort of knowing that my kids are are getting what they need to, to taken care of. And, you know, when I'm in and out, it's great. It's good for me, but I got the comfort of knowing. Now, you as a mother, is it different for you, you know, or, or do you so. and your husband have that kind of well, bond? He's, I would say Chris is the primary caregiver mm-hmm. um, because I do have to be in and out, even with, but I haven't been like shooting something gone mm-hmm. for, you know, 14 hours a day since... Mm-hmm because of this year you know so that's about to happen so i i've only like had to be out of the house for like a full day a couple times so i don't know what that's going to be like but but the hunger yeah i am i am really nervous about that i'm like you know i I, it's me i'm not even worried about my son it's it's me that's worried about like because you know just getting to be with him so much um but i still have the hunger i'm you know i'm about to start filming a show for hulu and i am you know, I created it. I'm directing a bunch of it, and I feel very engaged. Holy shit! And loving directing. That. Yeah. Good for you, Amy. Have, are Good you directing? You. you know what, man? I I want to start, but Amy, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of the of, of having the to whole, be there early. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> not not the. Not, I'm afraid of the of the whole that you go in after because once you have that project, you're stuck with that project for the year, you know what I mean? It's like filming it after right. filming it, then it's the editing process. But aren't you involved ed- in the, every part of the process for your specials? And yes, for I'm, in, I'm involved anyway? in it, but I'm able to still hop in, hop out. I'm involved in it, but I do it in such a way to where I can still You can still hop in, hop out when you're- Not in your first movie. You don't want to hop in, hop out in your first movie. Yeah, Not your first movie. Yeah, no, but I, I like, you know, if you have like really good support systems, I feel like you can, because I feel like you're most likely directing everything you're doing anyway. I know you're not going to say that, but you know. Yeah, you know, at, at a certain point in your career, you get to a point to where you definitely are more aware of what goes on behind a camera than you once were. And when you are, yeah. you're able to dictate and control. Right. Um, so I think yeah, it makes you right. a better performer too, you know, once you understand all that stuff. People need to know and understand that about you too, Amy. And I want to take a second to just highlight that. Like your level of creative that you put into the things you do. You're 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 a pen to the pad. You're a pen to the pad comic. And not just within your stand-up, but within the things that have made it to the big screen, within the things that make it to the little screen. You're heavy with that pen to the pad. Yeah. Aren't you like that? Of course. Yeah. Fuck it's yeah. because you know what you know the rhythm, you know the what's gonna work. And also when you're as busy as you, um, you have to be efficient. Mm. You know, it's like, how can we do this the most efficient way possible? And it that's the thing, like, you know, it, it takes so much energy. So if you, if you see a way that something could be done sort of more easily, like you can't keep your mouth shut and just be like, I'm just here to say my lines. Like you, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of self-serving. Um, but just yeah. how many times have you not listened to your instincts and you go, why Fuck. I knew that Fuck. I, I should have just, I knew it. I should have just listened. Yeah. I like that you're checking all the boxes, you know, from literature, from television to film to stand up. You're truly checking all the boxes. And, you know, you even have your own your own podcast. It was canceled. Thank you for bringing that up. Who do I blame for that? Keith. Keith Robinson. Absolutely. Keith is a piece of garbage. And I'm glad that finally the world will hear from me. Yes. I blame Keith Robinson. Keith We've been trying Robinson. to get Keith canceled for years now. I don't know why you would even fucking incorporate Keith on your fucking show. It was a huge show. mistake. What a what an idiot you are incorporating Keith. <laughs> it's actually really sad. I was like, how can I make my friends hang out with me? It was Rachel Feinstein, Bridget Everett, <laughs> hilarious performers, and and you know Keith Robinson, just because we need someone to yell at. No, you get um, cut to the chase. He needs he needs the work. Okay, that's he what needed Keith it. Needed. That's he needed right. The fucking work. He needs what a, a damn paycheck. He gets paid as a writer on almost everything I do, and he does nothing. <laughs> He He's does probably, nothing. He we have to jersey. we have to be honest for a second, just for for listeners. I don't think that you'll you'll love a person more. Keith Robinson is a He's mentor to me, a fucking amazing guy. He's, uh, my he's done so much for me. And yeah. Amy had him uh, on her on her radio show, which got canceled because of him. Because ultimately. of him. That's right. How long did you guys go? We did five seasons, which Damn. is really weird. I know it was um it was on Spotify and 
yeah and they got joe rogan's podcast and they told us to go um go fuck yourself belate ourselves right in the yes. corner we said thank you so much for your time uh <laughs> yeah but it was fun it was a good run and uh you know but yeah keith i i, I love he's you know he's family he's a great guy what do you prefer amy right now you know when it comes to when it comes to you and you being your best is there a preference between television and film right now uh, I'm excited about this is my first like narrative TV show I'm doing. So mm -hmm. it's like, um, like, you know, it's five hours long. It's, you know, it's 10 and a half hours. So mm -hmm. I, I well, also do really ma math really. I think that's, I just check I think on that's my a cell lot. Phone really of, quick. That's a lot, Amy, 10 and a half hours. Is that too much time to like, look that's, at me in here? Yeah, that's a don't lot. people want to see this though? Like, that's a lot. Amy. Five hours? No. no? Are you sure? I mean, I'm just telling you that's no, a lot. No, people are going to love it. They're going to watch it again they're gonna watch start it right <laughs> over i know but that's the thing isn't that funny they made a joke about it uh amy or tina on the globes they were like you either are like i don't want to watch a movie but then you watch you binge a tv show for like eight hours so you know it's like ricky it's gervais had that show what's um uh, uh life after death yeah or life after something like that that's a biggie album you're thinking of i get after like i get i get biggie and ricky confused all the they time they are truly biggie Smalls, the same Person. Did you watch the doc? I did actually. I did watch the doc. That was that was a amazing. fun watch, right? God, it's, it's actually pretty amazing when you go look at it. Who, and I who? watched, and just as a sidebar, I watched Ricky's show as well. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that with I think Biggie was my favorite rapper. Who's really? who's your favorite of all time? Yeah, my favorite rapper of all time. Favorite rapper of all time. Like uh, you know what? No, maybe of all time. Yeah, but like I, like I guess nineties hip hop. 90s hip hop, I'm going to go Biggie Smalls. Yeah, right. 90s hip hop. Yeah, it's between Biggie or Tupac if you're going Whoa. to Tom France. Too but political. I shouldn't have brought that up. Okay. Well, we're not here to start a beef. Andy. No. That's not what we're about to do. But no, but I will battle anyone. And I, I want to say that right here, right now. If anybody wants to step to me, no, Amy. Uh, no? Okay. Sorry. I'm trying a new what? persona. You got to keep reinventing yourself, you know? Amy, where did you learn that? Who told I don't, you that? I, I just watched the Biggie documentary. I got excited. Okay. Well, you can't. That doesn't okay, mean I'm you gonna just write incorporate. That down. Don't, no, don't just tell don't people do to that. step off. Okay, yeah. don't tell people that. All right, I got it. I wrote it down. <laughs> stand up. What are you thinking about for stand up right now? I, I mean, don't shit. Know. We're in a fucking pandemic. Know. We loved your special, by the way. Thank I texted you. You, I, you wouldn't know because you obviously okay. have changed your number. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, we really, we really enjoyed that. I mean, I'm, I, I was very lucky, very fortunate to find somewhere to work on something. And I was able to put a hour together. And I got excited about the fact that like, oh shit, when we're down, I, I kind of figured out this way to kind of create some material. So I, I, I shot a special. I appreciated it. Was it. it was, was great. Funny. And it was really it. funny. And and I I feel like it came right at a time where it was like, we were like, I was really starving for content. Like I watch everything. You know, like anytime anyone's like, did you see this? I'm like, yes. Like, I, I don't know. My friends are like, why? Do you, how do you have so much time? I'm like, from <laughs> seven to like 1 a.m. I'm just watching TV, like everything. Um, but no, I we were like looking forward to it and excited. Oh, and you sent out like a gift thing and uh, and Chris wore your silk pajamas. The pajamas, I remember. Yeah. I remember. That's why I'm asking you right now. Like when. It oh, comes what's to my comedy? deal with stand up? I don't I did stand up one time this whole pandemic. Mm -hmm. Did a show with John Forte. We're at. Martha's Vineyard. It was like an outdoor fundraiser for was it a shelter. shit show? Was it like a was it like fucked up or was it put together well? Well, it was like four p.m. and okay. um, you know, I, Martha's Vineyard is one of my favorite places where, where my husband's from. But uh, you know, it was a lot of people wearing like Ann Taylor and like yeah. drinking a like spritzer. Um, and I opened for John, so John kind of got like the hot spot, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he was amazing. Um, uh, and he has a new album, Rhythm Road, Rhythm Drive. Everybody has to listen to. Um, but he, uh, but my standup, it was fun. It was, it was fun, and I feel like I have like ten minutes right now. Mm -hmm. What about you? You just shot I don't have show. shit. You don't have anything. I mean, I don't have shit right now. I don't. I mean, I can't. That's the thing. People go, can you just do twenty? You, I don't have it. Me not. Listen, what I have is so bad right now <laughs> that that I kind of don't want. I don't want shit to open up yet because I'm. I know. I don't know what to do when it does. Like if no, I if I get nothing. a stage, I don't know what the fuck to do. But I will say this. Oh, I will say this, Amy. Like right now, this is the best time for 
for us. Because once we do get to a point where people are going back into comedy clubs, the the need and want for comedy is going to be so real, so big. Oh, so right. I didn't think about that. It's going to be so big. So, you know, you gotta I, have something. I, I think that we're going to get extremely hungry and ambitious once we get a taste of it again. I don't think it's going to be long. Can I tell you like a premise I have in my phone? Yeah, let me hear it. Okay. This is good. Um, this is good radio. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. Um, oh, oh, actually, I want to ask if you've ever heard somebody do this before. This might be like a Seinfeld vibe. Okay. Um, uh, just that like we're old now. Mm-hmm. And you know how like when I was like, I'm about to turn 40 this year. And when I was younger, it was like, I just thought 40 was so old, mm-hmm. you know, but then you get older and, and then you're like, when somebody dies, when they're 75, you're like, oh, they were so young. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's kind of the premise. Doesn't that okay. sound like it might be a Jerry bit? Well, it doesn't sound like a Jerry bit, but I, it's observational. That's where you're getting the Jerry vibe from. Yeah. And and I think as you get to 40, yeah. the crazy thing about us being 40, like right now I'm 41. And uh-huh. the, the fucked up thing about being 41, we once, you did once look at it as, yo, this old as shit. Like you're, you're just over. Yeah. But <laughs> right. once you're here, once you're here, you get this new energy about 40 when other oh, people Oh no, we're talk in our prime. It. Yes. I believe that. I mean, yeah. for me, it's not, not physically because um, I don't even understand what happened to my breasts after having a baby. But I mean, they honestly, Kev, they used to be so high. They didn't, if I laid down, they just stayed there like at attention, you know, and now it's like, it's all over. Are you, are you happy at all? You still fucking oh, I'm confident? Happy. Are you I'm, still like, oh yeah. Yeah. Then that's hey, all are you, kidding me? Uh, you know, that's I believe I have like a super pussy. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure it's below average <laughs> and I have low T actually I, d- I got all this blood work this year. Cause I had Lyme and they were like, you have extremely low T. Uh, do you want to get more tea? They're like, we can give you. And I was like, no, I don't. What do I want tea for? Tea's over. Do you feel like has has the sex life falling off after the baby, or do you still try to whenever still we try do to stay it, true to it? Do you are you guys like this? Like, okay, truly, we probably have sex every seven to ten days. That's about and, right. Okay, and we do it, and we go, God, that's so great. Like, we need to do that more, and then we don't do it again for another yeah. seven to ten days. No, okay, wait, this is this happened the other day. So my husband goes, I go, do you want to have sex? And he makes this face. He goes, like he kind of pictured it and like winced. You know, he was like, like imagining um, it. And he made a face kind of like he ate something say, bad, you know. And I was say, like, um, he's like, mm. um, he's like, how about tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. great, thank you. <laughs> I feel really good. But that's Chris anyway, because like during the pandemic, we were we were like sitting outside and it was like about to rain. And I, I turned to him and I was like, you know, it's, I say, even though this has been horrible, COVID is horrible. This I think has been the best time of my life. And he said, I'm going to go put the windows up in the car, (laughs) you know? And like, that's him. Like, he's just, I'm like, "Uh, what about what I, you know, no. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. What about, that was a meaningful no, I think it's gonna rain. I'm gonna put the windows up in the car. My wife told okay. me straight up. She told me I need to get the fuck away from you. <laughs> she told me like, listen, like not even no laugh behind I it. it. It was it was as blunt as you can say it. Yeah, I she's need to running get the, fuck the house away from like you. she has it. Okay, didn't you guys just have another baby? We just had another baby. Oh, but congratulations! I'm, I'm 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 a lot of work too, and that's of what course. I've realized. Like during this pandemic, I've realized I I'm work. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know shit. I don't know where shit is. No. I don't know how to do shit. No. And and I got You're like in the one way. day. You're in the way. Yes. You you know I heard myself. I fucking heard myself, Amy. Mm-hmm. Like I I backed the backer, and 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 I was like, oh shit, this is bad. Yeah. I was like, hey babe, what what remote control at to the TV? I, I don't see the remote control. She's like, I don't know. Just look for it. I don't I don't know where it is. That's what I'm saying. Where <laughs> where is it at? And she was like, just it's probably on the couch. So I was like, all right, I'll go look. But that's what I'm saying. If it's not there. Then we got to find a control. And then mm-hmm. I find a remote control. And I was like, hey, hey, babe, babe, where did we, them tea bags, you know, the tea, <laughs> you know, the tea that you make with that, uh, that it's not the ginger, Look but the other one, we got more, we got more of those. I don't know, babe. You got to check. He hates me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know mm-hmm. where you got to tell me, do we got those or no? Let's see. <laughs> I, but before I, I know I'm going to get them a check, but I'm saying, do we have them? She's like, look in the tea bag section. Hey, babe, where that blanket? Where, you know the blanket? 
Where that gray blanket at? The gray blanket, the one that's got the, you know, the soft one, not the, not the one that's not soft, but the one that's softer than the one that's soft. You, do you have that? The extremely soft one. Babe, where that, where's that one at? I don't know which one you're talking about. The one that I, the one that I put on my feet, where's that one at? Ask the kids. Can you ask them? I'm like, I'm so much oh God. fucking work. If, if babe, I were him. Babe, is the baby up? I don't know. <laughs> go Why don't look. You go, go see. You don't know if the baby, I, I don't want to see if you don't know. If you don't know, then I'll just wait. I'm just, yeah, then I'll just assume the baby's yeah. not up. And Amy, I am so fucking much. Oh, yeah, much, you're in man. the way. No, I know, because it's like they have a system. They're kind of running things, and you come in, and you just, it's like, hey, we're not doing that right now. Like, we're not, I just, yeah. And I'm like, let's put the TV on, you know, let's show, like, I, I don't care. Like, I'm like, Gene, watch TV. Where the mugs at with the handles? Yeah. I don't want to use the ones that don't have the handles. We're the ones with the handles. This was yesterday. I go, Where's the Parmesan? Where's the Parmesan? He's like, it's in there. He won't come in. I could hear that he's in a standoff with me. It's in there. I'm looking at the fridge. I'm like, and I, I really feel like I look everywhere. He's like, I'm like, it's really not here. And I call him to come in because I want to show him that yeah. I looked and yeah. it's not there. And he comes in and he immediately sees it. And I'm just yeah. like, God. you have every, yeah, you have every right to leave me. Yeah. I'm sorry for wasting your life. <laughs> You're not even wasting your time. I'm you sorry. You made a poor choice. <laughs> you fucked up bad. You, you have committed <laughs> to a fool. <laughs> I I love though. I love that at least we're aware. I think I think yeah. being aware is is half the battle. That's you know a good mean? point. Look how Having we're celebrating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like you gotta listen. No, but it's true. Knowing that knowing your flaws. Is yeah. what it's about. I know mine. And this is like every every five days I have a talk with my wife. And I'm like, hey, I just want to tell you I appreciate <laughs> you for for just I know that this is I know that I'm a lot. And I and I know that sometimes what did she say? Did she say I'm gonna go put the windows up in the car? No, she'd be like, get the fuck out of my face, Kevin. Yeah, I don't want to hear your yeah. shit. Just leave me no. alone. <laughs> I know, same here. No. I'm like, I'm right. just hey, just like quick reminder, just checking in. You're a great <laughs> husband, a great father. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I think I'm going to sleep in the other room. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, oh, no, I, they're, they are are lucky. He's asleep. <laughs> I'm laying next to him. I'm watching reality shows. I'm eating loud, inconsiderate, loud oh, food next to yeah. yeah, good oh, for he you. Should, good he, for you. And he, he calls you dating. on it. Amy, you're, you're smacking. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You're, uh, am and, I? and there's so many crumbs in this bed. I feel like I'm sleeping in sand. You know what I did? I went on like a two day, a two day, no wash binge, but it was, it was aggressive. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. It was just aggressive for no reason. I was just like, I was just in the, in like, we got this little theater room and I found a good show that I haven't seen. I think it was billions. Yeah. And you know, billions got like seven seasons. I was on season two straight. Going oh straight. My God. Yeah. It was a project. You were, it was in. a project. I was in it. Yeah. She's like, she just looked me in my face. She's like, you're not going to wash your ass? I was like, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was you're just right. into it. My bad. No, I, I'll do it now. Is it, is it, does this bother you? Am I, you're yeah. going to leave. You're about to leave. You're leaving you? me. Yeah. All right. Okay. That suitcase uh, is out. <laughs> it's bad. No. Yeah. And he's like, he reads the newspaper. He does a crossword. Like he does all this, you know, and I'm just. Nothing on the couch. Nothing on the couch trash. with fucking chips in your belly button yep. and low breasts. Good for yep. you. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's I did it. I am living the dream. It's That's like That's what I'm talking about, Amy. It's true. Just, every time he answers you, every time you he calls you and you answer, you're chewing a chip. That's mm -hmm. that's that's where you can tell where you are in life. Yep. If you always have a chip. It happened so mouth. fast for him too. Like we got married and then I got pregnant like 3 months later and I was like sick and he's like like it just, you know, it all just fell apart quick. I had like, a, I like had a hot three months with him, you know. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.
Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? <coughs> or just a horrible accident? <coughs> That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Now back to the best of comedy gold mines with Kevin Hart and his guest, Russell Peters. Today's mine is an amazing mine for so many different reasons. I'm talking to a guy, a guy who I feel has changed, has changed comedy in his own right and has yet to truly receive his flowers for doing so which is what we're going to do here on this particular podcast. We're going to give him those flowers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about my guy, Russell Peters. Russell, what's going on, man? Well, hello, young Kevin. It's great to see you. How you doing, man? Look at you, Russ. I know. It's good I've to been, see you, man. I've, I've been doing all kinds of work for your company, but never with you. So Never with me. Never, I never. Your, I did your uh, breathing exercise show. That's the, um, uh, you did Headspace. You did the Headspace. Yeah, I sure I did that. And yeah. yesterday I did uh, Rip. Rip Michael's show. Yeah, yes. And uh, here I am today with you. Yeah, yeah. But the podcast, this is the good one. This is me and you this right now. We get one. to talk. Yeah, this, this is the real the one? one. <laughs> no, they're all good, but this is like the, the good one. Me and you this get is, to really... This is like, you know, buying Amazon and then having Jeff Bezos show up. There you go. There you go. Uh, Russ, did you understand what I mean when I said changed, changed the game in your own right, but never truly got your flowers for it? I mean, I, I sort I sort of understood that, yeah. Uh, for my listeners, here's what I meant. Uh, Russell Peters has toured at the highest level of touring for a large part of his career. Um, Russell Peters came and smacked the fucking touring industry in the face with numbers that nobody could understand or explain until so they realized that Russell's, Russell's following was so large because Russell's people were coming out to support him in droves because they were so excited to finally have someone speaking about their heritage, their race, their life, and doing it in such a unique way. Now, Russell, I don't want to go too far in depth about that because I feel like that's what you can do. That's what you should do. Russell, when I say that, and I say your people, who am I referring to, Russell? Give, give my listeners a, an idea. Well, when I, whenever I hear, when I, when I say my people, I, I don't mean just South Asian Indian people. I mean, it's pretty much, uh, what I did was I locked down the immigrant market. Mm. And America, you know, is so fixated on black, white, and Hispanic that they forgot that the rest of the country is all new Americans. Mm -hmm. And that includes everybody from Russians to Chinese to, to Uzbekistan to Indians to Bangladesh to, to the Caribbean to everybody else who looks like the rest of America. But when they're at home, they don't sound like America. Mm. Mm. And Russ, at this point, you know, I love that you have it broken down like that, like to, to the, it's almost, it's almost so specific to where it now makes sense. Because, you know, for for me at the time, when you were doing these arenas and, and selling out multiple shows, I mean, your numbers were fucking insane. It was like, God damn, why is nobody talking about this? Like, that's that I remember that being like the biggest thing that that I just couldn't understand. I was like, why is nobody talking about this man's success? Why is nobody celebrating how massive this is. When I heard about you selling out the fucking garden, when I heard about you selling out the goddamn arena in Toronto, when I heard, like, when I, Russ, when I tell you, I literally have heard 
so many stories that coincide with unbelievable numbers attached to your goddamn stage presence. Um, was before I get into the to the to the flowers that I feel weren't truly given and us giving them now was the was the goal that specific in the beginning for you to target that audience or did it kind of just happen it just happened i mean i started doing stand up in 89 mm-hmm. and when i started it was just i just wanted to be a comic i didn't i didn't even recognize that i was indian at that point I, mm-hmm. first of all i grew up in the black community so i already had my identity crisis happening and then uh, I just wanted to be a comic. I just wanted to be able to work every week and make enough to pay a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have been just as happy being a road comic that, you know, makes a little two, three grand every week. I'd have been good with that. I would have been like, that's a good job. It's better than what I would have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the goal was never anything. And I remember going to like, it must have been maybe uh, around 2000. I was at a, at like a, at a R. Kelly concert or something in Toronto. And I remember they had half the, the, the Air Canada Center draped off because they couldn't sell the tickets properly for that mm-hmm. show. And I was like, wow, I don't know you can make this place so small. And then I remember going to a basketball game there maybe a week later and going, wow, this is huge. And I just thought to myself, could you imagine performing in front of this many people? And I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do that. It was just like, wow, that would be wild. Can't imagine anybody doing that. And then I did that. But again, it was not like I set out to do that. It just kind of happened. When did you go, oh, fuck, this is this is now becoming a thing. Like, I'm becoming a thing. This is bigger now than what I expected. Well, it's mine was such a slow boil that I'm actually grateful that it took a long time. Because, like, the first time I did a special was in 1995 in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that special got nominated for a Canadian Emmy. Yes, it did. And, um... And I remember the CBC, when they aired it, they started getting an influx of fan mail for me out of nowhere. They'd never seen that before. And this is like, you know, email existed, but nobody was using it yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And girls were sending pictures and stuff. And I was like, what? This is dope. (laughs) And then I I got another special. You know, the funny thing, I'll tell you this, because I was so happy and proud of that special. In 96, I went and stayed with Keith Robinson and Patrice in Woodbridge. Mm-hmm. New Jersey, and I was sleeping New on Bridge, the couch. New Jersey. Wow. And I brought the VHS with me. I go, yo, you guys want to see my special? They're like, yeah, yeah, put it on. I put it on, and it was silent in the room. Mm. And then it ended at 30 minutes, and they, they looked at me, and they go, what the fuck was that? Oh, I go, they gave you a, oh. what? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I thought they were just kidding. They were like, that was shit. Patrice gave you a good, <laughs> yeah. ugh. Uh, uh, it was, uh, it, was, it, was like, it was trash. That's what they were like. What's the name of the first special? Uh, it was just it was a, they did a series of comics called Comics. Okay. And uh, so it was like I think eight or ten comics they picked for the year, and each got a comics episode. Okay, got you. And, but got they you. shit on me, and but that's what changed everything for me because Keith and Patrice both broke it down as to why that special was trash. Hmm. They were like, what was special about that? What makes any of those jokes unable for anybody else to do? It was easy. It was low bar. None of it spoke about nothing. And I was like, wow, what the fuck? I was so proud coming in here. And they just broke me down to make me look inside myself. And it sounds evil, you know, to the listeners. I know that sounds evil. It sounds harsh for people that you call your friends to watch what you just did and you're so proud of. And to kind of chop it down. Uh, of course, I'm no stranger to a Keith Robinson, who is a mentor, brother, uncle, all the above. I call him everything to me. Love him to death. Patrice O'Neill, RIP, the same brother, mentor. You know, these were people that you respected, but they 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 held no they held no punches when it came to attacks and 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 being honest with the reason of why for the attack. You know, I've been told yeah. I stink. That shit is stupid. You're not challenging yourself, dummy. You're writing writing basic jokes. You're going to be a basic comic. Talk to us when you actually put some work in. Where's your pad? Where's your fucking book? You got nothing, stupid. You got it all in your mind because you stink. They told me all of it, Russ. So I I totally understand where you came from. Was that a a gut punch to you? Like, did it it fuck you up for a minute? It it did at the moment, momentarily. But then... I also knew what they were talking about. In my head, I was like, you know, you, you're just being lazy. Wow. 
and and it was kind of like I was like I knew I was being lazy but when somebody calls you out on it and they could see it I'm like well my laziness is getting sloppy wow wow I mean that's I think that's big at, at that point how old were you 26 that's fucking huge I mean to get to get that type of information at the age of 26 and not have it truly have an impact um that's special because you know what Keith told me that I stunk um I was 20. Two? 22 years old. Right. Matter of fact, 21. Because I remember I had pissed in Keith's car. On purpose? He got me drunk on my 21st birthday. And coming back, I fell asleep in the car and I pissed myself. This is a true story. And <laughs> he, he, he told me the next morning after I got out of the car, he put his hand over there to like close the door. He said it was piss on the seat. So I had to get the car detailed with money I didn't have. But that was when like, you know, he had told me that I stunk. And I remember that it fucked with me for a minute. Because I truly believe that I didn't. Yeah, you, you think they're being haters at first. Yeah, yeah. Then you realize, no, they actually, if they were being haters, they would have patted you on the back and said it was mm. good. Mm. So what did you do? Did you immediately take the pen, put it to the pad? Or what? No. What was the what was the next step for you? For me, it was an adjustment I had to make. So I was like, wait, well, what do they mean? And then, you know, the, the shit thing for me was, uh, I got another special right away based on the strength of that first special. And I didn't have the pen game yet. I didn't have that kind of prolific mind. And I was, so the next special sucked, sucked. Even I knew that. So wait, why, why, why so fast then? Why, why did you put it out so fast? Because it was Canada. We didn't know. It was like 97. I'm like, I'm, you know, somebody said, you want 10 grand for a special? I'm like, hell yeah, I want oh, yeah. 10 grand for a special. And then somebody gave me a $10,000 development deal. <laughs> I mean, by the way, these are all, these are real numbers. These are these are, these aren't inflated numbers by Russell Peters right now. These are real numbers. And you know what I did with that money? I went and bought a fucking Lexus. <laughs> I, I, we got to get into the stories of money. We have to. Not now, but as we as we as we get into it, we have to. It. I went and bought that damn Lexus, and then I remember hanging out with Chappelle. Maybe, uh, maybe like six seven months later, he was in Toronto shooting something and. I was hanging out and I'm like sitting there going, fuck, I got this car payment coming up. And I ain't got no money Wow. because <laughs> I put the money down on the car. I didn't wow. think about, you know, like, oh, how does that affect you later? I mean, so so at this point, like you said, this stuff is coming in pretty fast. You're getting the offers. I mean, they just offered you the opportunity to do another special. You took it. You took a $10,000 development deal. Was there anybody that acted as a mentor or... Oh or a voice to you at this point? You're, you're a nomad, you're by yourself? By myself, I'm the only Indian guy in this game. I'm the first Indian guy in this game. I have nobody to look up to. And I, the only place I would get some truth told to me is when I'd go to New York. How often did you decide to make that trip because of that? Uh, you know, I'd come out maybe once every year, once every eight months or something. Cause I'd have to drive, I'd have to drive up. I didn't have no money for no flight, nothing like okay. that. I didn't have no money for a fucking hotel room. So, you know, it was that kind of at the mercy of whoever could let me do what, you know? And that's why I would take any gig when I'd come to New York, you know, mm -hmm. Keith and Patrice would get me on at the Boston or the cellar. And then I would get myself up at Stand Up New York or, or, or New York, it was a New York City comedy club. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then Capone would offer me like his room, the Bronx BBQ. And I would do all that shit, just whatever. I would do whatever, you know. Drew Fraser, like, you want to do Nagasaki's? I'm like, yeah. Oh I'm my god! Oh I would do all of god. them. I remember you coming to Toronto as Little Kev. Yeah, fuck yeah! I was Little Kev the bastard when I came. Yeah, and you you were like a. I remember. I remember fucking the 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 legend of Russell Peters, man. The, the like, especially when you talk about Canada, and and you know the thing that really that really blew me away was. You had the respect of all comics. You still do, right? Like you, like you're, you're, you're a comics comic to the comics that know. Like your your grind and your trajectory. The comics that are supposed to know, they know. And it's fucking insane what you've done, like what you've really accomplished in your career. So I remember, like, just all the comedians knowing Russell. And I give you a, a crazy story. You know, we're talking about. You taking the specials, fuck it. The one you did after that wasn't good. And you're like, fuck, I knew it wasn't. I wasn't ready, right? Um, I remember when you were coming to LA and Keith Robinson was like, yo, Russell is giving me a great opportunity. 
and you were putting Keith on. You were letting Keith open. Yeah. Right? Like you were you were doing some shows with him. And he was like, it's just so dope that Russell looks out, you know, he's a good guy. That, that used to be the conversation attached to you. Russell's a good dude, man. That's a good, but that's also a bad thing in comedy. Is he funny? Well, he's a really nice guy. Oh my god. <laughs> almost that's almost a kiss of death. Is he is he funny? Really nice guy. <laughs> you know what I get? If I have people go, is he funny? Very successful. Yeah, very successful. He's that doing doesn't right. mean he's funny, but no. very successful. <laughs> Wait, but I is he funny? Making the right moves. Making all the right moves. Doing, doing things. Doing things. <laughs> when when did it when did you get it right then? You said that special was bad. You didn't the one in ninety-seven. What what came right? I didn't get another special for another six years. Wow. So in 2003, when I got the opportunity to do another special, and it was done through the same company who did the one in 97, I, was, I had six years to prepare material. Wow. I had six years to polish. You got to figure now, 2003, I'm 14 years in the game. Mm -hmm. Now I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you're surgical. I know how point. to work this bit. I know I have, my shit's shiny, it's polished. It's mm -hmm. me, it's like, I'm in the zone there. And they paid me $7,500. They paid me less six years later than they did six years prior. Wow. Holy cow. Holy cow. What was the name of the special? That was, uh, it was just the, so the one that sucked was called Show Me the Funny. Mm -hmm. um, people are still waiting to be shown. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the, the next one was just a uh, comedy now. They didn't even have a name for it. Wow. Fuck Russell, I love it. I love, I love the story. So, is this the one where you got the crazy attention off of? Yeah, this was the one that kind of. But the thing is, it wasn't immediate either. I mean, it aired in two thousand four. You got to figure. I, also, at the time when I shot it, I was broke, broke as fuck. When I say broke as fuck, Kevin, I mean I had. They gave me the check. I signed it and paid bills. I didn't even get a penny from it. Holy cow! So then it airs in two thousand four. My dad dies a month after it airs. Jesus uh, Christ. Was, I don't know if the special killed him or not. <laughs> you think you're special? Come on. He said, no, Russ just said the special killed his dad. Okay, stop it, man. I can't now, take this That's shit. a fucked up thing. We're very dark. Comics are very dark. We don't miss an opportunity for a goddamn punchline. Look at that. So so you're dealing with a lot of this time. I mean, you're going through money problems. Yeah. Uh, you lose your father. I mean, it's a, it's a fucked up time. And I'm not thinking anything of the special. I didn't think like it was great or it was bad. I, I literally thought nothing of it. I just did it. And I was like, oh, well, got me out of a little bit of debt. And, you know, so I just left it at that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my dad died in my show. It aired in March. It, it, it aired in February. My dad died in March. I came to LA in April and I was sleeping on Chris Spencer's couch. And uh, I think that's around the time you had just done Soul Plane. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. I saw you in the Beverly Center. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, hey, congrats on your movie, man. You're like, hey, man, thanks. And I don't think you realized it was me. <laughs> the crazy thing is, like, you never know what's going on in people's lives. Yeah. Like, you're, you're carrying so much baggage at the time, so much, so much fucking weight. You could look at it that way. But at the same time, I don't see what's bubbling underneath. You know, people mm. have started to pick up on the special. Mm, somebody okay. recorded it and chopped it up and was sending out mp3 uh snippets of it to people and and it was at the time where somebody sent you like send you a, an email clip go download this check out this comedian he's hilarious and it would take you 20 minutes to download a three minute bit and then they'd watch it go oh my god who is that and then it started this whole thing and then so you go uh, and understand this in, in february 2004 i played depaul university in chicago and 11 people showed up I got paid $750 and 11 people showed up and I felt bad that they were paying me so much money. <laughs> and then cut to November of that same year, I go back to Chicago, I sold out a theater for three nights. I was making like something like 40, 50 grand. And I was like, yo, what the fuck's happening? This is amazing. What the fuck? What the fuck just happened? Yeah, and I still didn't understand what was happening because I didn't understand file sharing and I didn't understand any of that world. And then in May or June of 2005, YouTube started, and then somebody put the entire special on YouTube. I, to this day, don't know who did it. 
Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Comedy Goldmine with Kevin Hart and his guest, Steve Harvey, on Sirius XM. Here's the beautiful thing about comedians, man, there's so many different levels to them. So many different levels. You got greats, you got legends, you got... You got beginners, you got, I mean, you got first timers. I mean, it just goes on and on, on and on. But on this show, I'll have the privilege of talking to so many. And on today's episode of Inside Joke, I'll be damned if I don't have the privilege of talking to a legend, to a great. I'm talking about my brother, Steve Harvey, ladies and gentlemen. I shouldn't even say brother, my unk slash brother. Brother is disrespectful. I've been calling you unk for years and there's great reason for the for the word, an amazing definition behind it. Welcome Steve Harvey to the show, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, Steve? My man, what's up, little brother? Hey, man, I, I can't call it. I cannot call it, but I'm excited. I'm excited, Steve, because I consider you not only a friend, but I consider you a mentor. And I mean that. I don't just say it to say it, but I really mean that. I've watched the way you've moved and navigated in this business of entertainment. And it is, it's mind blowing. You know, it's, it's school for free if you choose to take the classes. <laughs> and I mean that, it's school for free. You have, you, in my opinion, are the first comedian to truly make this, make this lane a business. Mm -hmm. I stand on that. You wow. made it a business and you showed that this business can open up more doors to other businesses and other opportunities, man. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this conversation because I'm not sure how many people know how much of a businessman Steve Harvey is. Um, I guess I start off, I guess I got to start off by, by talking comedy and, and, and just getting your feeling on comedy today. How do you feel about the state of comedy today, Steve? Well, you know, man, uh, it's, it's, it's changed a bit. Uh, it has. Uh, I think the young cats out there now that's actual comedians are at a bit of a disadvantage because when I started in 85, uh, it was probably the apex of comedy clubs. You know what I mean? You could go everywhere and get work, man. The Punchline, the Funny Bone, uh, uh, the Comedy Zone. Man, I mean, it was clubs. You could you could go with, on the John Yoda tour for six weeks and never go back home. You could go do the Comedy Zones, man, for 13 weeks. And you could do Tom Sobel for 13 weeks, 12 weeks, and never go home. One-nighters, and you would do one-nighters Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then you would hit comedy clubs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And some of these gigs, man, was like 13 hours away. And you was rolling. It was 100 bucks, you know. But, it, but you had a chance to perfect your craft on mm. a nightly basis all over the country. Mm. What's happened now, man, is this the lack of comedy clubs and venues and then the addition of social media kind of hurts the young guys today because, you know, somebody tape your show and put it online and now you get there with your set you've been working on for six months and the whole audience that saw your damn show because mm -hmm. they, they downloaded it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the business we in, Kev, ain't like singing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, <laughs> you go see Luther, you go see Jay-Z, you want to hear the hits. Don't nobody want to hear your damn hit in comedy. <laughs> you know, we're we not finna laugh at this the way we did when we heard it. So you got to have new stuff, man. So that's also, a disadvantage. I mean, there's also a major, there's a major disadvantage just from the point of, you know, when you talk about social media, you talk about the impact. Of course, there's good, but then there's bad. And for that younger comedian, you know, the younger comedian, your, your, your young set gets taped and it's not a confident you. It's not a, it's not mm. a good version of you and that, 
that thing mm. gets put out there and the reaction to that thing mm. is good. It 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 acts as a blow, a blow yeah. to the ego, a blow to the choice, mm-hmm. a blow to 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 your drive. I mean, mm. you know, those things cause major setbacks. So I definitely understand that. It's crazy that you say you started in '85, you know, yeah. because you started in an era where comedy was really the shit. Yeah, man. This is this is when comedy. You know, when you talk about that that period from 85, let's just let's just go 85 to like 97. Yeah, man. You know, before you got in the 2000s, that's when comedy, you know, they, I don't think there were cooler individuals in entertainment. Yeah, you had your singers and rappers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but but what we were doing, and I shouldn't even say we because this is I wasn't in this group, what you guys were doing was shaping and molding the craft to be looked at differently. Yeah, but you were Kevin, making it an event. But you were in that, you were in that group, man, that was watching it. And you were just making your way. You were just starting out in clubs. Cause I remember you well, man. I said, man, who is this little dude right here, man? That's out here trying these jokes like this. You would stand on the stage with the mic and have your foot on the base, on the base <laughs> of the mic and just be standing there. And I said, man, this little dude, he got something to him. He, he gonna get there one day because you know, all the rooms that were available were, were just white rooms, you know? Mm-hmm. So you had to have your comedy kind of set a, a little bit up. You know, like, look, man, when I got started, it was just white rooms. I was the first black comedian to go to a radio station in the South. And a matter of fact, it was WBLX in Mobile, Alabama, and go to the radio station and say, hey, man, I'm going to be at this comedy club and we ought to do a black night. And they were just looking at me, but because I was on the Apollo, they said, oh, this dude was on the Apollo. He down here in Mobile. They would let me sit on the radio with them for four hours and promote a show. So I went to the comedy club who used to give out comp passes and I asked them, could we do a radio night? Well, it was 93 BLX. So I said, let's charge them 93 cent on Thursday night. They normally paper the club, which means give out comp pass and then they just make drinks and chicken wing money, right? So mm-hmm. I got them to let the blacks in for 93 cent. Now I told the white dude that owned the club, I said, look here, man, you gotta get this change for these people cause they gonna want they seven cent. If they give you this dollar, <laughs> you know, they gonna want this seven cent. It, nah, it won't be a big problem. The first 15 minutes at the door, they had to go next door to the grocery store to get this change. Cause the black people said, you said 93 cent. They not, <laughs> they want that seven though. <laughs> they can't want that seven cent. <laughs> and the dude was catching hell. But I filled the club up on the Thursday night. And that was rare back in the day. Cause mm-hmm. you didn't get the full crowds until the weekend cause it was such a date night. So I was the first one to start that. And then I started implementing it in Atlanta. And then I started doing it in Florida. And I started introducing black comedy nights back in 87. That's when black nights started, man. Jesus Christ. Steve, here's, here's the question. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is one, this is one for me. I mean, my listeners, of course, you guys get the privilege of, of taking this answer uh, and running with it as well. But what, what I love, what I love to, what I love to know when I talk to people like yourself is for you, when did you know, oh shit, I'm, 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 I think I'm making it right now. I think this is it. I think this is the definition of making it. I think right now, this is my opportunity to truly blow. What for you, what was that thing that made you say, oh shit, it's about to get real, it's about to change? I got you. It was uh for me, man, I had been doing it for some years. And uh, because I quit my job abruptly. I won amateur night October 8th, 1985. I went to work the next day, I won $50. And a girl had took me to this comedy club named Gladys Jacobs. And on the way home, I cried for 40 minutes all the way home. I had won $50 at the amateur night. First time on stage as a comedian. She says, why are you crying? It ain't but $50. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm born tonight. I'm 27 years old. This wow. is what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. 
She said, boy, you just got $50. I said, no, you don't understand. I've been waiting on this. Man. I've been talking to God, something, man. Show me something, give me something, because my life ain't nothing, man. I had flunked out of college, man. I, I was tripping, man. And so when I won that money and I got on the show, I started working. I quit my job the next day. I went to work the next day and told dude, I'm a comedian. Wow. <laughs> Harvey, take your box and go back in there and sit down at your desk and stop this foolishness. You're young, you've got family, you've got these two little beautiful girls. Don't do this nonsense. He talked me right back out. I took that box right back in there and set it on my desk. <laughs> and this dude named Russell Middlebrooks, he looked at me and he said, damn, huh? So you gonna let this white boy just tell you that? I said, well, man, I got a family. He said, man, but you funny though. You won that $50, man. I went back in there, put my box in, I shook his hand and thanked him, and I took out on the road. The first year I made $3,000. Mm. The second year I made about 5,600. And the third year I made about $7,000. So now I'm homeless, because I, no, I ain't got enough money to sustain. Mm. Me and my wife had ran into some problems, you know, causing my decision to leave. I was sending money to the house best I could, but I ain't have much. And so when I sent it home, I didn't have nothing. So I'm homeless. So I got, I sent a tape to the Apollo one night and uh, they called me. And it was like in 91, 92, something like that. And I went up there to the Apollo, broke, didn't have no money. And I won, I met that night, man, in the club, in the Apollo theater was a guy named Dwayne Johnson. Now. It wasn't The Rock. They've written that I met The Rock that night. It went, Dwayne Johnson was a comedian out of Chicago. Okay. I met this other dude named Jamie Foxx. And we were there the first night together. I didn't know Jamie. Jamie didn't know me. 91, we wasn't nobody, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody got booed that night. And I was on the last show. And I went out there and I got a standing ovation. And the dude said, man, you're going to get $750 for performing tonight. We're going to send the check. Now, I'm standing there looking crazy because... I got $35 left hey, partner. So. I, I, nobody told me that they was giving out checks. I would, <laughs> hey, man, so I, hey. what you mean you gonna mail it? I'm, I'm, was, I'm right I'm here. I'm confused. I don't think you need to do that. If you want, you can just give it to me. Because <laughs> I'm right I'm right here. So I don't think- Damn, come on. I, don't, what you I, I can't pay about? taxes on none yeah. of this. What, what you, you mean check? I don't have a checking account. Yeah. I'm homeless. How, you give what me what this you? check. I got to drive all the way to Cleveland to cash it at my mama bank. Partner, this- <laughs> Chuck Sutton felt sorry for me, man, and gave me $750 cash. When it aired, Kevin, I was doing a comedy club. It aired the night I was doing a comedy club, and I was on stage late. It aired, I came off stage, the club owner said, oh my God, I just saw you on television. You were terrific. And then I joke was born. I wrote this joke about Mike Tyson. I know that joke. Yeah. When I was talking to you. Yes. Oh, dread. That was yes. it. And Kevin, after that, Every comedy club in the country was looking for me. And I said, man, I'm gonna make it. Cause I was about to give up, man. And that was a turning point for me. Now, money wise, I wasn't making it, but mm -hmm. I had the idea that I could at that particular moment. I mean, isn't it amazing how something, something as simple, simple as your first television appearance mm. takes you by storm mm -hmm. and, and, and opens up the doors that are, that are simply leading to more doors, right? Because it's mm. not it's not as if it all it didn't all <laughs> happen for you. <laughs> Come on, man. At the Apollo, it didn't all happen, but the door that door that was open, it just it puts you it puts you on a it puts you on a floor that had a hallway full of more fucking doors. Come on, man. Right, bro. More doors and and Steve, I know your story. I know I know your story, man. And it's so inspiring because you're a guy that's taking his punches mm. and there's nothing that I can respect more than a person that's taking punches. And that's literally taking a knee and got up every time and found a way to come back and block them same punches. Kevin, there's a poem by Rudyard Kipling called if there's a stanza in that poem that says, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, lose and start again at your beginnings and never once breathe a word about your loss. Mm. 
that stanza right there, man, has kept me through all the difficult times. And I'm going to tell you, audience, something about you. All those difficult moments, I've gotten a phone call from Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. Um, um, don't let this get up in your head, man. You all right. Brother, you called me, man, at some, at some moments, man, where they was out there eating me alive. Mm -hmm. You understand? I mean, they was dogging me. But that spirit in you, man, this dude that said, hey, man, I respect what you did, your hustle. I watched you, man. I love you, man. And you know, you, you, you asked me certain questions. I give it to you. But you took every stick of advice I gave you. And I'm going to tell you something, Kevin Hart. You done ran with it like ain't nobody in the game today. You are the giant you are because of, let's just look at this right now. You ain't got to do no podcast. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. But you constantly reinventing yourself. Mm -hmm. See, you didn't get to be a, a stand-up, a giant in stand-up, and then get some movies and then stop doing stand-up. See, you did that pattern I did. I don't quit no jobs. I stack jobs. Mm -hmm. See, I got more than one source of income coming in. So when they when, when they take me off of this show and take me off that show, I, you know why I keep rolling? Cause I got another show. I got something else to do, partner. <laughs> you you're canceling my life. <laughs> and if they keep canceling shows, guess what? Ladies and gentlemen from Cleveland, Ohio, Steve Harvey, going, I'm back. Cause I still back. got it. <laughs> partner, I still got it. I go out there and mop their ass if I want to. I got an hour right now, partner. I can fill up, hey, Kale, I can put 10,000 seats anywhere. All I got to do is say I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the greatness of this gift that God has given us. Look, man, we tell jokes for a living. You know how hard that is? Pa, you got to be a special dude. See, this is the only craft that you can't go to school for. You can't take no lessons. You can take piano lessons, voice lessons, acting lessons, dancing lessons. You can go to school, be an architect. You can go to school, fix people's teeth. You can go to school, man, to make buildings. You can go to school, man, learn how to paint. You cannot carry your ass to school for this thing that we do. Absolutely. I had a little white boy one time, uh, I was doing a college. He came up to me and said, hey, I'm gonna be what you're gonna be one day. I said, okay, congratulations. I'm taking a course. I said, you taking what course? He said, I offered a comedy course at the college here. I said, partner, when you get through taking that course, there ain't a course you can take. When your ass get through, you're going to be funny. Mm. You born this way, man. Mm -hmm. This is a God-given gift. And what you've done is you've taken this gift and you've layered it. You've taken your gift as a tree trunk and you become an actor, an activist. Uh, you you in nutrition and fitness. You 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 still do stand up. You a philanthropist, man. You done took your gift because you are Kevin Hart. Like right now, dog, you the giant. You the lion out here in the field. You the dude. You can say what you want. When they need a comedy star in the movie, they can go 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 get Kevin. Well, go get Kevin. Well, how they ain't gonna come get me? I ain't really no good actor. You know, I ain't short, dog. I ain't none of that. I can't even get, I be, I be in Jumanji. What am I finna do? I don't look like Rock. I'm standing next to Rock looking older and more out of shape than I am. You done got your ass in shape. You take your shirt off. I saw you doing some uh, push-ups where you bouncing the air and slapped in your trainer's hand. I went to the gym, I got my trainer. I said, hey man, I'm gonna show you this move Kevin Hart did. My trainer <laughs> looked at me and said, we're not gonna do that. Do that, cause you gonna need your teeth. <laughs> Steve, where the, where the, where did the business mind come from? Where did the, where did that come from? You know, like, is that, like, is, is that, is that a family trait? Is that a, is it, is it street smarts that, that, that you just turned into, you know, a, a, a high level of common sense and said, I'm going to grab relationships and use these relationships to catapult. Like where did the business mind come from? You know, well, your, your whole approach to this craft, to this world, it's, it's a business perspective. Okay. Like check this out, man. I was sitting down one time and I got the thoughts. Okay, man, what's the best way to attack this? So I took show business and I broke it down into two words. I said, okay, Steve, if you're going to be in show business, you got to have a really good show to stay in show business. But if you don't have the business to go with it, ain't nobody going to 
you know, it's hard. I don't know how to negotiate my contracts. I don't know how to ask for how much. I don't know how to turn myself into a draw. I had to make myself a draw in these comedy clubs so I could get a door deal instead of the 1500 they was paying everybody else. And I had two phone lines hooked up to my mama's house. And if you call this number on my little card I had, hey, this is uh, this is Dave Sellers. I represent Steve Harvey. I'm out of office right now. Please leave a message. I'll call you right back. Uh, gave, it, gave it like it was the office. So then boom. So then when they call that number, when I called back, I was Dave Sellers. If I needed to try to get an article in the paper, I was Peter Sellers. It's Peter Sellers, uh, representing Steve Harvey. He's going to be in town this weekend. <laughs> he's been on uh, the Showtime at the Apollo once and love to do an article and let everybody know he's coming. All right, Mr. Sellers, and that's how I did it. I was everybody, man. That, that produced a businessman in me. And like yourself, I just constantly, man, kept trying to find ways to reinvent myself. You know, I can't just tell these jokes and get rich, rich. Yeah. I need something else. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.